Welcome to the CoVenture Podcast. We sit down with leaders, experts, and innovators in Colorado's Roaring Fork Valley and beyond to explore how to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems in rural communities. From tactical solutions to new ways of thinking, we're here to find out what it looks like to succeed together. Thanks for joining us. This episode is part of our Resiliency series, created in partnership with Roaring Fork Leadership. Well, welcome again to another podcast of Roaring Fork Leaderships and CoVenture, talking about workforce resiliency. Of course, as you know, we look at what is going on out in our communities with employers and employees, both representative, you know, there's been a lot of trends and it's been a, a hot topic. And we wanna address that here on a state, regional and local perspective. So today, um, as I am Andrea Palm Porter, the executive director of Roaring Fork Leadership, um, and thrilled to have with me, Carolyn Tucker from um, Northwestern Colorado Workforce uh, through the state of Colorado. She is the Regional Business Service Coordinator for Pitkin Garfield and Western Eagle Counties. Welcome, Carolyn. To well, thank you so much. I, uh, I, I'm excited to have a conversation with you, Andrea. Yep. It's good to see you. Yeah, well, thank you. And I know you've been in a lot of these conversations and kind of, you know, you get a lot of information from additional resources and you get to kind of decipher it all. And, you know, and then I know it's like your boots on the ground at the same time to understand what's really going on, out on, you know, both from an employee and an employer perspective. So really, again, I think your perspective on this topic will be enlightening. Um, and it, knowing and preparing for our podcast too, there's a lot of resources out there that you can support or share that we'll get into as well. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, Roaring Fork Leadership is as, as a nonprofit organization, you know, really looking to increase those leadership skills that improve, you know, the quality of life, right? At the end of the day, where individuals are willing to step into these type of issues to help solve them. And um, Carolyn, of course, is a graduate of RFL Mastermind um, just last year. And, you know, I, I'm sure you have some takeaways from that program. But, um, you know, obviously, I'd love for you to share a little bit more background um, about yourself and then even start to jump into the conversation around, you know, what are, you know, what should employees, employers really be thinking about, you know, it, to, to find the right job, what skills are needed, where the gaps are. I mean, we can just jump in. So we can talk for hours about this, Andrea. So we'll just try and keep it, keep it short and simple. But um, again, thanks so much for, for having me. And again, thanks so much for Roaring Fork Leadership. Um, the Mastermind Program, if anyone has not been through that, is a tremendous leadership growth opportunity and really um, enjoyed my time last, um, last year for that. Um, especially, you know, when we talk about the pandemic, there's lots of things that have changed and lots of things that people are kind of looking inward to. And it's almost like a, um, an inventory assessment on a personal level. And that's where um, there's all these different uh, opportunities such as Roaring Fork Leadership, but also different trainings to say, hey, where do I want to fill my own gaps? And that's one of the parts of resiliency from a workforce perspective that we're talking about. 
Um, just a little bit about me. I've been in um, mostly the private sector job um, industries in, in energy, higher education, professional sports, seeing a lot of really good leadership, a lot of um, not so good leadership, and also looked at some different cultural um, perspectives from a business um, uh, entity and, and how of culture and how you talk to people and your employees really works on a retention perspective. And so when we're talking about workforce resiliency, um, we've got two different things going on. We've got the workforce, how, how a job seeker or someone in the workforce can um, um, build those resiliency skills because the pandemic started something, but I think we're going to be rocking and rolling and changing and pivoting for a number of years uh, in the future. So you got to work on your own personal resiliency skills. And then businesses also have to kind of take a, a step back and say, who is our new workforce? What is the new look of, of uh, work these days? And make some of those types of quick changes and um, um, uh, I guess, um, be really quick to, to make decisions and, and hire people because they're not out there for very long. Well, I think, you know, just, you know, humans are conditioned, right, to being in, to, they want comfort. I want to be in a comfortable space, right? So we get comfortable doing things that seem to work, right? Let's say pre-pandemic, and then all of a sudden some sort of crisis or a change occurs. And, you know, like, humans tend to take a little bit longer <laughs> to adapt to those changes, right? So it's like adaptive challenges or adaptive leadership is so important and kind of that quick ability to adjust, right? In, in, in those scenarios is more prevalent than ever before. And if we think about how employers around here, let's say pre-pandemic, um, you know, like hiring somebody, you just post it in, even one or two places and you'd get a ridiculous amount per se of applications where today it's kind of the opposite, right? You post it in your typical places and you're getting, it's like crickets in some cases. Absolutely. Um, so it's like, Oh, how do I rethink right where I find my workforce? And, you know, if I look at that job description, do I have to look at it in a different, is it written? Can I write it differently? That might attract what I need, what you were just talking about, right? Like of what the workforce have I adapted to what the current workforce is looking for or in reality is, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And, and what I've I talked to employers um, a lot through my work at the Workforce Center. And I, I, uh, I say, we need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to those foundational elements of your business. Almost like in sports, if you're messing up somewhere, you gotta go back to those foundations. And so the foundations in a business is, you know, what is your hiring strategy? What are you doing? And if there's something that's not working, toss it out and find a new, bigger, better, faster thing that has come up. Lots of technology and lots of websites and lots of ways to find new employees. Um, so take advantage of those things. Um, the other thing is retention strategy. So you have a recruitment strategy, a retention strategy, which means, hey, I've got some people here. I know there are, there are a lot of people. Um, uh, it's hard to find people. So how do I keep and grow those people that I want to? Um, and then also there's a, uh, I call it the rocking and rolling strategy is when everyone is firing on all burners, how do you keep that momentum and how do you keep all those balls in the air? And then finally, a, um, a retirement strategy 
where how can you um, pick the brains of those people who are stepping away from the workforce from a retirement perspective and transfer that knowledge back into your organization to strengthen those um, younger folk coming through. So we got to go back to those basics and look and see what is out there. And I can help, I can help uh, businesses walk through some of those resources and things. So happy to do that. Yeah. So kind of, if, I mean, I, I understand there's a lot of scenarios that you could answer this question in different ways, but if in general, and if maybe you do have a specific, you know, what are those top skills employers are looking for right now when they are, you know, hiring these multiples of open positions? Well, um, you know, there's some employers and, and love them to death. They're still looking for that unicorn, that perfect employee that is, you know, a young person of 24, 25, but has 50 years experience. And so, you know, okay, let's talk, let's back off of those expectations. Is this person, is the employee, um, um, able, does, do they have a work ethic? And I say that saying, do they understand why it's important to, call, to um, show up on time and be a team player and communicate and be able to um, communicate ideas and up and down the ladder to supervisors as well as colleagues? Um, so those are some of those skills. And, and is someone being trainable? Can, can a company say, great, I can't find my unicorn, but I've got training resources in-house or I can find training resources. How do I take some raw talent and build them and train them, which is a, a retention strategy for sure, um, to what um, I need in my business. And so it takes a little more patience. It takes a well thought out strategy on an individual basis that says, you know, uh, I'm hiring Andrea and, and maybe she doesn't have the experience in this area that I want. I'm gonna build that with a training program um, but I, I see her uh, doing other things that'll benefit the corporation. So, so a question, you know, trends, and uh, you know, like how long can you expect an employee to stay with a company? I mean, you know, because I think that's obviously changed over the years or generations. Um, and what it, what does that look like today? Sure, great question. Um, the, um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS, who we, it's kind of our go-to from a statistical perspective on, on all things labor in the nation, says on average about um, every 4.2, every four and a half years, people change jobs. Now, if you're in a larger corporation where you have some upper mobility that you can um, have your employees uh, work through, you know, create some type of a, a, a plan, an improvement plan that someone says, great, I'm going to work in accounting. Hey, I really have a marketing um, uh, streak in me. I want to do that. And so within a corporation, you can build and retain those people. But on average, you know, every four and a half years, someone's going to be changing a job. So as an employer, how can I keep them? Or recognizing that that's a, a fact how can I keep that knowledge in-house or help that person um, on their, their next adventure in their next, in their next role? Because you don't wanna keep somebody when they're unhappy right. or if they're, they're not growing. And our, the workforce these days um, wants new and different experiences um, every four and a half years. And so employers need to recognize that. 
Yeah. I'm going to date myself going back to 1997 when I left Wisconsin to move to Colorado. And I, where I was, I was doing radio sales. And the idea was I kind of tapped, not, there was definitely, I could grow right through sales. You just grow and get a new client or customer, right? And blah, blah, blah. But I've really been growing at a significant rate over the last few years that I was kind of like itching for the next, you know, like I need the next challenge besides just going, you know, to support the needs of customers from an advertising perspective. Right. And um, so I, I raised that, I, I initiated that conversation to say, what options do you see, right? That um, either what skills can I learn? Um, you know, what opportunities exist that I might be able to just learn about to see what else might exist for me in the future. And my company was amazing that they basically said, you know, here, go talk to this other radio station because they might have a management position that we don't even have available. Because right they kind of had some long timers and they weren't moving you know, anywhere. Um, and then I um, found a job in Colorado that brought me out here. I was actually KSPN, um, KNFO at the time was owned by Charlie Moss, but um, now they have different owners. Of course, a lot of medias went through that, those accusations. Um, and they that company that I worked for researched that company that I was interested in looked like looked over everything and they were just amazing partners to support my growth and to this day you know it's like that relationship the appreciation that exists and you know I, I feel like I learned that at an early age that it's like wow it doesn't have to be this you know I'm giving you my resignation and you're out the door <laughs> type of thing. right exactly and you know a good a good quality business will they recognize that they want to grow their employees and look at the glowing the glowing um, um, recognition and the glowing reviews you have of your past employers because when you were talking about who um, how to find employees one of them is word word of mouth and if they have a bad reputation you're going to bad mouth them because you had a horrible experience you're not going to have your friends go work for them so it behooves an employer to do everything that they can to grow an employee and keep them, but also recognize that if they don't have growth opportunities for this employee and this employee is destined for bigger and better, then let them go and, and with their blessing. Yep, exactly. I had uh, one experience for me. I, I was at uh, um, a company and um, I didn't know I was being groomed for a position until I gave them my resignation because I didn't hear anything and I didn't know that they wanted me to go into this new position. It was all, they all talked about it, but I didn't know. And we, uh, we were uh, up for a move and they were so surprised that I was moving. And I said, well, if I had known there was this new position, I would have stayed. So another thing for employers is, is that two-way communication, actually employers and employees is, um, keep those conversations of what's next and how am I doing in the forefront. It's not an annual review. It's not a biannual review. It's a probably either a weekly or a monthly check-in that says, hey, how are you progressing? Here's what I see and keep that communication open. Um, and for employees, it's really important to ask. A lot of us just think that we are beholden to the man, if you will, and we take what we're, we're given, well, it should be a two-way conversation. Yep. And, and, and 
you yeah. talked about that, right? Top, it's like that top up ways to communicate and, you know, um, bottom up, top down, right? It's, it's those right. two ways of being, having, you know, I think of kids coming out of um, even high school into college or high school into a profession. Um, it's like, how do you talk to adults? <laughs> well, and, and that's the funny thing is because I would never ask my father for the same things I'm going to ask for a, my boss, but that's the father figure or the adult figure. And so that's one of those skills that I think um, younger people in high school or in college need to develop is um, how, how do... I guess it's 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 not even negotiation, but it's just communication um, to an equal and and recognize what that does to you if you freak out or if you're all anxious and stuff because it is hard. So well, it's almost like it's just like it's thinking I'm speaking to another human. That's all it is, you know. And in some cases, get rid of the title or the bias or the whatever that might exist, you know, even the cultural challenges that, you know, like that I, I don't speak, I personally don't speak very good Spanish and very little that, you know, that can sometimes feel like a barrier, but I challenge myself to be courageous, to jump into those conversations. Cause that's how you learn. Right. You know, exactly. Practice and figure out what those boundaries are, you know, anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm all about figuring right jumping in being vulnerable yep. and being courageous into those conversations otherwise something could be left at the table and you had no idea <laughs> right exactly exactly so you know you there's a lot of conversation and we've read if, if nobody's read articles you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of conglomerate two things right this element of burnout and you know the great resignation you know like why people are quitting and I'm, i know you have a lot of probably research and information on that. And I just love your perspective um, on kind of those two ideas of what's going on out there in, in, in work environments. Sure, well, you know, as everyone knows, the last two years now, we're going on two years here, um, which is unbelievable at this point, um, has been an overused word, unprecedented. And we have all had to almost have whiplash about what we're doing, we're doing this one day, we're doing that another day. Um, it really does speak to burnout and, and the constant change. Are we open? Are we closed? Um, do I have to wear masks? Do I not wear masks? Um, um, are we understaffed? Are we overstaffed? And, and all this uncertainty really does a number on your psyche. And again, that goes to the resiliency of humans, not employee or employer, but you know, are you able to roll with all these very different um, and fast paced changes? Um, so just a couple statistics about where we are, what happened during the pandemic. So um, between, uh, there was 3.2 million retirements in 2020, up from 1.5 in 2019. So that's double those retirements. And what happened was some uh, of the folks that were thinking of retiring said, hey, you know what? This boomerang stuff and this pinball new work environment with the pandemic, I'm, I'm done, I'm out of here. And the stock market, unlike other times, has been very robust. So those who wanted to retire, could retire. So we had double the retirements across the nation. Um, and that's a good strong number of um, baby boomers that have left the workforce. That's institutional knowledge. Likely going to happen at right sooner than later, regardless. But again, yeah, 
kind of like that was bound to happen, right? To, oh, oh, to the yeah. requirement. A lot of the trends that we're seeing were just an acceleration of sure. what was already happening. So we, we've seen this silver tsunami that they always talk about the baby boomers because of the large demographic um, on the number of baby We've seen this on the horizon for 15 years. We knew it was gonna happen. The pandemic accelerated that. So a lot of those folks who could retire did. So we, we have less people in the workforce for that and, resignate and resigning. Um, we have declining US birth rates. So there's not that big of a replacement workforce coming up. Um, 1.8 million women have dropped out of the workforce, which is huge. And primarily they've worked out uh, or, or they've dropped out because of the um, childcare issue. Childcare uh, um, uh, businesses have closed or have reduced um, capacity. Schools are open or they closed. And so women primarily are the, are the um, um, family um, caregivers. And so they've had to step away. Same thing with older adults who may have um, needed necessary uh, additional care. A lot of my friends actually pulled their aging parents out of um, um, uh, assisted living because it was safer at home. So all kinds of caregiving issues were going on. Um, here in the, in the mountains, we had an 88% drop in J1 visas, which we use. Um, and that was something that, um, you know, because of the lockdowns and because of the pandemic. Um, and then we have this ongoing public health crisis where people don't want to necessarily be in a front-facing job. And so when we talk about people resigning, it's they're getting other jobs. Those, those who are retiring, you know, some of those are coming back into the workforce, but they're getting other jobs. It's just changing. So maybe I was front-facing in, uh, in a restaurant or in retail and I'm uncomfortable because of the pandemic. I'm gonna try and, and find another job that has me more comfortable um, in the work environment. Maybe it's a remote job, maybe it's a work from home, maybe it's a computer job that I've always wanted to do. Um, so those are some of the trends that are going on. Um, and the other thing is, is and, and people have kind of scoffed at this, is kind of a, a, a realization on an internal perspective, what do I really wanna do? The pandemic has had all kinds of death and destruction attached to it. And people are really looking deep inside themselves and say, is this how I want to spend my time? Is this the job that really is I'm passionate about? Or maybe it's time for me to wake up and find different things that I want to do, maybe in an environment that is different than, say, the Roaring Fork Valley. That, um, and we have everybody knows about all the issues facing our workforce, which is affordable housing and childcare and healthcare, all those different things. And again, those trends just exacerbated um, themselves over the pandemic. So it's really a realization and a great opportunity for people to reinvent themselves. And, and so I do think it's a, um, it, it's a mixed bag, um, but there's lots of resources out there for people who do wanna make some changes. Right, and I kind of feel like sometimes we all do it. We want that comfort and we're stuck, right? We don't want to like, oh my God, there's going to be a lot of work or change, right? To adjust into this new reality. 
in, you know, there's in, in the work I do in leadership, you know, it's this adapt, how do we adapt and do it quicker, right? Like exactly mm -hmm. like that is one of those skills that I think you can bring to an employer saying, I can, you know, I can roll with change. And, it, you know, there's obviously different personality styles that would probably come into play that like, I don't like change, right? That's just kind of that, but also self-awareness of that to realize I have tend to be hesitant. I don't like uncertainty. So then like what you're talking about. So then what do I need to do that to develop a little more of that skill? Because then I will be more relevant in the workforce because the reality of what's going on for employers is looking in my, you know, what I'm aware of the research I've done is I need that adaptive employee. That is so very true, Andrea. And that's one of the, like you said, the skills, but also it's a, it's a critical need. We are not going back to pre-pandemic work. We are, this is, this is bigger, better, faster, quicker. And um, from a competitive perspective, it's always been that way, but it has just accelerated. So as, as a leader in your business, you know, how are you preparing your workforce to, to roll with this stuff, keeping an eye on the prize for your culture and your, and your business goals, um, but um, equipping your, your workforce to be okay with change and okay with looking at the big picture. Um, and you know, that's a, um, an opportunity for you as a business leader um, to do that, as well as for employees to, to roll with that because those skills are critical to the success of a business. Are you adaptability a, yeah yeah no kidding but like you know obviously we talked about baby boomers like you know moving out of the workforce and obviously some of them are staying in the workforce i just was listening to an npr um discussion around you know like to avoid dementia continue working past retirement age right like sure sure one aspect you know if, if that is um somebody's willing and and you know, I a lot of people have even come into RFL as re, a retiree, saying I'm still relevant, and I want to look at this community in a different way and make different connections and networks and be purposeful. So they'll come at it thinking, you know, what organizations are looking for help? Where can I volunteer? What where might I plug in to use my skills um, to continue to give back to this community? So again, thinking of these different generations, you know, you got. You know, and I think there's a lot of emphasis right now, too, on, you know, like the trades, right? Not everybody needs to go get that formal four-year college degree. There's certifications. You can get internships. You can, there's different paths beyond that traditional. So I'm going to come back to say, like, when you think of those generation differences um, and all working under, let's say, one organizational roof, not necessarily in a physical place, right? Again, incorporating remote. Um, any any thoughts or advice or suggestions on how to navigate all those different generational differences that exist now in the workforce? Oh boy, you know, working in with multi generations has been a topic. There's tons of research. There's tons of how tos out there, and it's been out and about for oh gosh, I want to say 30, 40 years. And so, um, but it is unique. There's in some organizations there are five generations working together. And you think newer, right? Like that's the newer that typically hasn't been the case. I think at yes. most, right, it's like three, maybe a three, little four. maybe four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you know, you you might go into a, a your 
place of work and there's your grand someone of your grandfather's age and again that communication is how do i talk to my grandfather well here's somebody that um you know, might be gruff or have different personalities or different types of working. So there's there's different, um, I guess, priorities, generalizations in different in different generations. Um, work life balance, I think, is quite honestly, a, a, a intergenerational um, um, thought and value. So everybody wants a good work life balance. One of the things we've seen that's really kind of exciting, though. Um, well, first of all, don't as employers, don't um, don't dismiss your older workforce. They um, want to work. They can work. Um, we're all a younger younger um, generation, especially here in the valley. We all are very um, athletic and um, healthy. So don't dismiss those folks. They have wisdom. And they also have a mentoring opportunity to, to work with the younger folk. And so use those, those different generations, understand the differences um, about different perspectives and different values in the workplace. Um, but the, the, there's so much wisdom. And some of the people, as you talked about, who are retiring, they want to come back. Maybe they don't want to work five days, you know, uh, 40, 50 hour work weeks. Maybe they just want to work one or two days. Be open to that. And it's not, again, it's not your unicorn employee, but it has lots of um, um, opportunities to use um, older workers and younger workers and come up with um, a, a, a really cool culture. If anyone's ever seen the, um, was it called The Intern with Robert De Niro? Here's this, you know, that's a great movie where an older person comes back and very subtly helps change the culture. So, you know, give those old, older folk a, a, um, a try. And, you know, even um, the younger people who aren't as skilled and aren't as polished, it's an opportunity. We don't have that much um, um, extra people out there. So give everybody a chance and make sure that you have um, training programs or support to help your your build your workforce. Yep. And I was reading a scholarly article not too long ago regarding like the younger generations that are coming in are literally looking for that mentor. You know, it's like they're seeking it out. They want feedback where I'm going to say um, the boomers, you know, I think they're a little bit quieter, right? In a sense of didn't seek feedback. It's not as much of a um, learned behavior or wanted behavior that you're seeing in the younger generations too, right? So the idea is like just noticing those differences and then navigating as we talk about communication, how to engage in those conversations and creating, a, call it psychological safety in a work environment or for um, working pairs. And then I'm going to throw in culture, right? Especially in our valley, we have a lot of um, Latina, Latinx. Um, so again, very similar principle between generations that you can apply to thinking of those cultural differences that exist in our valley. So a question to you is just highlight the Latino, Latinx um, population. Are we seeing trends as it relates to that when we're talking about our topic on workforce resiliency? Well, I think um, one of the things that we're seeing is, fi is finally we're seeing a premium on folks who are bilingual yes. from a wage perspective and from a, hey, if we're going to be serving the entire Valley, we need to have um, a workforce that's reflective of the skills and the, the demographics of the Valley. So I think um, definitely there's more outreach going on. There's different cultural um, 
um, nuances that we have to navigate within um, um, the workplace and, and, you know, cultural difference between um, Latino or Hispanic cultures of work versus um, the, the US culture of work. And so, you know, it's a work in progress, but I think the recognition is finally there. There's a lot more resources, um, um, Spanish speaking resources to, to work on resumes and interview skills and even mentorships um, that way, uh, internships. And um, it's, it's exciting to see finally that we are all coming together to, to address a workforce a workforce issue, um, which is kind of somewhat hamstringing our ability to grow. Yeah, you know, you talked about, you know, retention practices, um, high, you know, hiring practices, and I think about this concept around inclusion, right? Like, so let's talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and the ideas for an organization, I would even throw out like, what kind of policy or statement do you have that in regards to diversity, equity, inclusion? I mean, you hear them called like Jedi statements or, you know, justice, equity. I mean, there's a, a many versions out there, but I would say that's pretty important, especially when we're talking about these, you know, kind of um, cultural, socioeconomic, and, you know, we're trying to get those different perspectives to the table it's like i'm thinking of a community issue let's just say if it's talking about housing right like at the table as part of that conversation is the employee struggling to find housing and it's the you know city manager and it is the employer at the table and it is the you know, pre, you know, some church, you know, again, different, all of different perspectives need to come to the table because there's, you know, I, I don't want to say you don't want the typical, you know, lead, I don't know what you'd say, the, the standard leaders, right? Like the, like you're talking the man, you know, mm -hmm. I'd like to say the woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's again, it's like, how do you create that conversation you know to literally address these issues also so you know it's i think it's well, it, talking about communication and not being scared to jump into the conversations but again I, I would think organizations that are addressing the diversity equity inclusion conversation um potentially from a culture and environment of come work with us probably have a leg up would you agree with that I would agree. And it goes to um, kind of an employer of choice. And, and we, we use that word uh, or that phrase a lot. But what that means is those foundations is, um, you know, it is um, equity and inclusion built into your um, foundation, um, even, even your, you know, vision or your culture or your foundational documents on an onboarding perspective? Or what do you, how, how is that represented in your job description? When we talk about an employer of choice, we're talking about basically, hey, you know, um, go work for Roaring Fork Leadership because they do X, Y, Z for their employees. And I want to be a part of that. And so we all know of some employers that don't have that reputation and they don't care about building a reputation. Those, pe those employers who do have a really strong reputation, be it community or be it a really strong work um, um, perspective, those are the places that people want to go work and they have a leg up. And when we're talking about different cultures and different demographics, those are those um, businesses that um, people will apply to because it's, it's, a, a, it's an inclusive um, uh, environment. Um, and that's one of the things that when we talk about an employer of choice, or we talk about 
job quality. It doesn't necessarily mean you are paying the best wages in the Valley. Money is great, don't get me wrong. And you need to have something that is competitive with your, your other organizations, but the workforce is also looking at work-life work balance. They're looking at fairness. They're looking at um, recognition. They're looking at um, even a social aspect is what does this company stand for? Do they um, stand for sustainability? Do they stand for fairness? Um, and all of those things are baked into those foundational tools that we were talking about. Um, in fact, there's a really cool um, toolkit. It's called the Job Quality Toolkit that Aspen Institute has, and it's, it's free and it's available for everybody. Um, and it's, you just go to aspeninstitute.org and, and, go, and uh, search for Job Quality Toolkit. And there's some elements in there that you can, um, you can look at and see if that, that you can incorporate those into your own business. Um, and again, it's, it's a process, but um, we need to, to move away from the concept of slave labor to a, a cohesive um, company. I, I, I read something this morning that was really interesting. It was some lady um, was talking about resigning and, and all that other stuff. And she said, I was told I was an essential worker through the pandemic but I got no recognition. It was work, 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 that burnout aspect. <clears throat> My job was essential. I didn't feel like I was essential mm -hmm. and she left. And so I think that's one of those key things that let's make sure that we recognize that your employees are essential. And again, fairness, good hard days work. It's not like we're bending over to, to acquiesce to employee demands, but are you as a company fair, equitable, and um, uh, creating a culture that people are jazzed and pumped to go work for you. Right. Like that engagement, right? Like the, yeah, the exactly. skills engaged and the employer is paying attention to that engagement to support. And I mean, right, a, a baby boomer is going to have different, um, right, a different way of approaching what's important for them, right, than uh, you know, the Gen X or you know, the new ones coming in. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. What am I? Um, in right? It's, it's like here's what's important to me. And I know as I've progressed through my career, you know, there I had different values that were important to me when I was younger compared to values today. You know, family is more important. So, like you you named it, you know, it's so then what does that mean? Right. Then what am I looking right. for? It's probably like flexibility or it's more purpose involved in what I'm doing, you know. And again, everybody has some different perspectives of that. Right. And and, and to your point though, is when when an employer is having those um uh, monthly check-in conversations with your employee, that's the opportunity to ask those very specific questions. Hey, Andrea, what trips your trigger? You know, how, how, can we, how can we make this a really great place? And I expect a lot from you. And what can you expect from me? It's that two-way conversation, but it's that communication. It's no longer a broad brush stroke that says, oh, Gen X want th this and baby boobers want that. You need to talk specifically and know your employees. Um, and uh and go from there what are their values what motivates them you know like again what inspires them where are they headed what's their dreams right those well, are the beautiful questions i yeah exactly and i just have one one um, story about an employer who um one of his warehousemen was ready to walk out the door he wasn't challenged it was and 
you know, the employer said, well, what can I do to make you stay? He goes, well, I've always wanted to, you know, take over the warehouse. It's a mess. It's inefficient, blah, 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 blah. And so the um, employee or employer gave him the challenge of reorganizing the entire warehouse. And that guy, the new, the warehouse manager was just ecstatic over that opportunity and the challenge. But without that conversation, he would have just walked. Yep. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, I've, I've talked to some friends that are employers and employees, you know, and some of them are saying, you know, I'm not sure I'm wanting to do what I'm doing, you know, so I'm, I'm curious about looking elsewhere. And I'm like, I think that's a great process. At the same time, the, you know, like the concept of the grass is always greener, you know, like um, somebody gets offered a little bit more money, but yet the environment might not be a match, right? So the idea, but some people are like, oh, but again, depending on where you're at, is that money more important? And well, you know, like it is the money going to um, have you stay where you're moving, or is that just going to be a band aid for the next six months? And then you're going to find that the culture or the fit isn't there, and then you're going to be, you know, looking for something else. Absolutely. And I, and I guess that's a cautionary tale to, to employees who say, hey, the grass is greener. Man, I could be making 18 bucks an hour instead of 15. Well, do a little exploration. What's the benefit package? What's the culture? What have you established? You know, what really makes it, what elements make you tick on this? Um, and a lot of people were seeing a, the great resignation. And then we're seeing a lot of people kind of sneak back in the back door that say, you know what? Okay, I made a little mistake four months ago by bailing on you and I really want to come back. And, and so, so that's happening as well as a trend that says, okay, yeah, I, I jumped too quickly. Um, be open to those if you need that employee. And, but again, you know, make those, those um, discussions about and the communication about what will it take to keep you here and growth opportunities and training and all that stuff. Right. And if the, I, I encourage those employees that have, let's say are in that situation, they left for something, the grass is greener for some reason. And all of a sudden, let's say has some question of um, hesitation or regret, you know, it's like, and you're thinking of the past employer that you had, I'd say, go open that conversation. Don't feel like, you know, um, they would never take me back or have those stories. And I mean, again, it's each situation might be different, but I would, you right. know, if that door is open. I would definitely be having those types of conversations to, you know, it's what we talk about, you know, avoid the burnout, find the happiness, find where right. your resiliency is, you know, and, and have those conversations that'll support, you know, you being engaged with your employer and, and whatnot and vice versa, right. From the employee. Right. And, and, and just don't do something where I'm going to go to work in the morning and go to lunch and just never show back up. I'm not sure. I'm, not, I'm not, and I've heard a, a lot of oh, that happens, sure. you know, but, but don't do that, you know, but because we're talking adults here, we're talking the business has a business to run and you have work to do. And so happy medium. It's all about that communication. I know I'd hired a full-time, very clear job description, full-time interviewed question, you know, like you name it, we went through a lot of stuff and came in for the first day and then never showed back. <laughs> but they, came, they came back and it was like, oh, I didn't realize it was full-time. I'm like, like, wow. Okay. I got to figure out like, well, how did we lose that communication or where was that like lost in translation? But again, you know, like you think about these agreements, right? Employment agreements or, um, 
you know, expectations, you know, and I think the more the employee can share, here's what I'm expecting or what I'm looking for from an employer and employers can say, here's clearly, you know, what we're looking for from an employee um, or even an independent contractor, whatever that arrangement might be. I think, you know, that also is going to really support, right? Like being on alignment, being on the same page. So you don't miss something kind of major like that. Yes. Like, oh my God, how did like, wow. I even went back like, how did, like, was I not clear? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, I'm pretty sure that came up multiple times, but that's okay. Right. This person was, I don't know, had a different thought in their brain or something. Yeah. Going on. yeah. So, um, Carolyn, any other, like, I'm just thinking like last words of wisdoms or a point maybe that we didn't touch on that you feel would be really important to think about, you know, the audience between, you know, in our valley between, you know, like Roaring Fork leadership listeners or co-venture, right? Our business. I mean, in, I, I think there's so many people that listen to, you know, these podcasts that, um, as again, we've been talking about, it could be a, even a community member, an employee, an employer, right? That's Well, I, you know, and a lot of people who know me know me. I'm kind of Rebecca from Sunnybrook Farm. I'm kind of the optimistic person. I mean, there's a lot of negative stuff that's happened in the last couple years and and people have made decisions and choices um, that have worked for them and and uh, um, others are faced with decisions and uh, that are really tough and rough and uh, but what I see is I see lots of opportunity now for growth and um, for trying and getting out of those comfort zones um, it's a great time now to um, try your own business, for example. There's mm -hmm. lots of resources for that, lots of support for that. If you've always thought about doing something and stepping out, maybe now is the time. Um, maybe, uh, you know, using the resources at CoVenture and, um, and honing up your leadership skills at Roaring Fork Leadership, you know, it, can, can you build those skills to become an impactful leader? Um, there's lots of opportunities um, for um, new business. There's lots of opportunity because we have so many people resign um, from a retire, I should say. There's movement in organizations and businesses. And so everything that we've talked about from an employee standpoint saying, well, I can't go anywhere because, you know, uh, we've got this, this um, old folk at the top and they're not moving. Well, they've moved. So how can we reinvent in ourselves to take advantage of those leadership opportunities? And it is leadership. It's being that adaptive leader. It's being um, uh, um, a caring and compassionate leader um, and, and a realistic leader that says things have changed. Yep. This is not 2019. <laughs> and so we need, we need new skills and new thought processes and new vulnerabilities to, um, to build back up. And I think it's a tremendous opportunity right now to do that. Yep. Um, yeah, so those are my words of wisdom. Love it. Well, what, I mean, I know you, thanks for off, you know, sharing RFL as a resource, CoVenture, Aspen Institute. I mean, again, there's, I mean, you can just Google a lot of the stuff we're talking about, right. And find some things, but I'm thinking of these other local resources, which, you know, your organization, right. Being your representation here. So, you know, Garfield kick Pitkin, um, Western Eagle, like what, what, what offerings are on your docket? Oh, well, you know, everything that we've talked about here, um, as far as business resiliency, 
and um, even the nuts and bolts of HR issues. For example, we have a, um, a web, we have a basically monthly webinars that are free to the business community um, that we bring in uh, experts to talk about specific issues. January 18th at nine o'clock um, or 9.30, I should say, is a refresher on paid leave with COVID and how things have changed and maybe haven't changed. It's all pretty messy with, with um with uh, um, the Healthy Act um, programs. And so we're having a refresher on that. So you can look to us for that. You can look to me specifically as working through some of your sticky points as far as retention or recruitment strategies, um, wage analysis, labor market information, all those different things, um, trends in industries, be it renewable energy, be it uh, extractive energy, be it skilled trades, we have a lot of resources and opportunities and partners that are really trying to galvanize and energize the workforce. And of course, we're working, um, we're sitting on um, some of the, the major issues such as childcare and uh, affordable housing. And, and those are long term sticky things, but the, um, we're working on all those different type of talent pipelines. So happy to talk to anybody. Um, I'm, I'm based here local and, um, um, travel around depending on the day of COVID um, <laughs> or, or Zoom. So happy to share all those resources. Well, Carolyn, thank you again, Carolyn Tucker from Northwest Colorado Workforce. Really appreciate your insight, your perspective, the plethora of resources that you just rattled off that are available. Um, and I know, you know, there's like this collaborative effort too, right, around this issue of like it's like I am happy to hand off people where they need to go, you know, if I can't provide that resource or know where it is. So you've also, I just want to thank you for being a resource that I do refer people to say, <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but you know, the next next best person would be is calling Carolyn. Tucker, you know, or vice versa, you know, referring Michael Lowe at CoVenture, whatever it might be, or SBDC, right? There's, again, a lot of resources out there and, you know, we can kind of raise we, the bar and get people aware of them, I think, can also support, right? Kind of the, the we, we are very rich and blessed in this valley to have so many resources um, and a lot of people who know those resources. So yeah, yeah just got to use them, right? Yeah, yeah. use them. <laughs> Well, again, thank you for your time and thank you for listening to this um, podcast edition on workforce resiliency brought to you by Roaring Fork Leadership and CoVenture. You all have a great day. CoVenture is a nonprofit based in Carbondale, Colorado. We're on a mission to empower rural communities to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems through tactical solutions and engagement. Find us online at coventure.io. Please contact us if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities.